Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bullet Points, a podcast where we talk about games that feature shooting and guns and occasionally arrows, um, and sometimes really, really atrocious plots and themes. I am going to be your host for today. My name is Patrick Lindsay, and I'm joined by stalwart co-host number one, Reed McCarter. Yeah, that's me. And intrepid podcast explorer, numero uno, Ed Smith. That is me. Indeed. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess we're just going to c- cut right to the chase here. We're talking about Battlefield Hardline today, and... So it bears mentioning that the reason we're playing this is because Reed effectively dared us to, um, <laughs> and I was dumb enough to, to take the bait. Ed warned us off fiercely, and uh, we unfortunately did not heed his warnings, so we had to play Battlefield Hardline, the 20, yep. 2015, and just imagine this next sentence, every word I say in air quotes, this 2015 shooter from visceral game well that that's not in air quotes i guess but <laughs> no um, they really did it yeah. yeah i think that's that's fine yeah. it's not alleged yeah um battlefield hardline is as the name suggests a game in the battlefield series it is different from its predecessors because instead of wrapping itself up in a set of camo fatigues it wraps itself up in a police officer's uniform um which, in theory, should provide new context and new potentially exciting gameplay options. Um, as we'll talk about, it all just is... It's a goddamn shit show from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I'm not, I'm not mincing words. Yeah. This, I, I have gone on record saying that Tomb Raider 2013 is one of the worst games I've ever played. This um, game's worse. It is worse than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have yeah. a new low. Yeah, it's worse than Tom Brady. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ed, why don't you why don't you start us off because you've had the longest time to recover from your experience. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I played this game when it came out in in March, and what <laughs> that's one of the worst marches <laughs> in history for me. Uh, yeah, even, more, even worse than the Ides of March. Even worse than the Ides of March. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's really bad. I I don't know. Okay, <laughs> trying to trying to sort of criticize it articulately and intelligently and in a sort of adult, you know, verbiose fashion feels like doing it a favor, and I don't want to do it a favor. I I almost just you know discussing it with like a modicum of propriety feels more much much more than the game deserves. So for now, I'll just say it's fucking awful but from look, end to end yeah. but look look at it this way ed um i hadn't heard enough about why this game was bad and so when i saw that it could be bought for 12 dollars, i yeah. excitedly emailed you guys knowing it was a you know quote-unquote bad game and i said i have to see this for myself and i kind of don't think i needed to see it for myself yeah or force patrick <laughs> to buy it for 12 dollars <laughs> and see it for himself too it's, I bought uh, it, I bought it yeah. at full price. Oh, very good. Oh, dear. You should yeah. win a medal. Like a I pur- took it back. You should get like a purple heart or something for buying that game it, for full price. It's one of the few games that I've ever traded back in. I usually collect games, but I sold that and uh, used the money to buy Gold and I Reloaded. 
for the GoldenEye remake for the PS3, which is also really bad. So yeah, bad March. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked at length already, you know, two minutes into the podcast, that about the fact that Hardline is terrible. Um, I guess we'll spend the rest of the time, instead of, normally we discuss a, a game critically, we talk about its various elements, its themes, whatever. I think today we're basically just going to go through each of these items and discuss the many ways that Hardline fails miserably. Um, it's going to be like receiving a negative performance review from your boss. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't think Hardline's going to be getting its raise this year, unfortunately. No, no, unfortunately not. So the the, uh, the the biggest the biggest difference is that you play a cop and not a soldier, um, which right off the bat is it's got me worried. I was worried when I heard this game announced. I was worried when I saw them marketing it at E3 when they had that kind of cops and robbers multiplayer thing set up on the roof of a building. Oh um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, just to, to kind of add insult to an even bigger insult, um, as this game was being released, it was kind of happening amid the issues happening in, in Ferguson in the U.S. and like the sort of movements that arose out of that, which are exactly, it's, it's like exactly a foil to everything this game is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and not so much in, in terms of, uh, you know, American racial politics, but in terms of police militarization and police right. brutality, uh, specifically, is is you know, I don't know. Should we take a step back and kind of explain what this game, what the premise is? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you say it's a game about cops, but like, you also said it's different from other battlefield games in that it's not about soldiers, but it it is. It is. Yeah, it's it is. Soldiers with handcuffs and sneaking mm-hmm. abilities. So it's a game that very much glorifies, um, I, I think, well, not necessarily glorifies so much as just kind of is is excited about the idea of police officers shooting criminals with assault rifles. Yeah, it's it's a war game, mm-hmm. uh, except the soldiers are dressed as police officers. And yes, I think uh, that engenders a sort of war on drugs in a very literal sense. Um, mentality when it comes to policing that the cops should, you know, shoot first and ask questions never. That criminals should be rounded up on mass and jailed. Bearing in mind that America already has the highest amount of pri- people in prison per capita in the world. Uh, yeah, it, it it sort of tells us that police officers are heroes in the sort of military sense, and that criminals are the enemy in a similarly military sense if if there were a thesis to battlefield hardline it would be that cop violence is cool basically yeah well patrick you you summed it up by saying that either before or after the prologue level there's a little hint that appears during one of the loading screens that says uh shoot suspects and then search their bodies for evidence yeah yeah which absolutely summarizes the sort of thematic mentality of this game is that you know criminals are guilty until proven innocent and that cops are allowed basically to to be brutal because it's what it takes to stamp out criminality yeah so i mean it's it's probably worth giving some context to um the levels when you go into them i mean the game is all set up to be kind of sloppily resemble in the 80s uh like miami vice style police action tv show 
Mm. Right? But without the comedy or the lightheartedness, really. It, yeah. Or the self-awareness. Yeah, it's... it All the fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to... Yeah, as, as a sort of... Just a... Sorry, quick tangent is... You know, what some of the things that we're talking about here may sound uh, a little bit sort of unfair to expect of a game like Battlefield Hardline, to expect it to be politically sound or politically minded. Uh, and some people will say, you shouldn't talk about the game like that, it's just meant to be dumb, fun, excitement, and spectacle. That's fine, but it's crap at all those things as well. It's not a good spectacle, it's not exciting, it's a very boring shooter. Yeah, which I think helps frame some of it as well. I mean, if it was if it was an absolute blast to play, I, yeah. I think you know it would come with some caveats. It, I don't know. If it's sick at its core, it's still going to be sick, though. Mm-hmm. Even if it's pretty and sick. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's it's also a, a very poor game as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Reed, why don't you I guess talk a little bit about the way that this differs from other Battlefield games and how it plays. Okay, yeah. Uh, like what I was saying before is, yeah, it's, it's sort of this police-themed uh, it's set up in episodes to try to resemble a television show for for some reason doesn't really make much of that but we'll get to that later i'm sure um but each episode kind of starts with your player who's a miami police officer uh going on an investigation into you know a, a drug ring they have a hot new drug on the streets called uh called hot shot right yep because that's what you name drugs it's hot shot <laughs> yeah 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 and they say it's liquid cocaine so it's equal parts jagermeister and goldschlager <laughs> all over the streets um but so you start each level off and you go and investigate and uh the thing that kind of separates it from the other battlefield games is that it, it has this system where you can kind of sneak around the enemies uh they have little vision cones on your map showing where they can see and you can throw shell casings to distract them. Um, and then if you get close enough to them, you flash your badge and it stuns them. And they drop their guns and they put their hands up. And then you uh, arrest them by grabbing them by the back of the neck and slamming them into the ground and cuffing them to disable them. So that's the big differentiator between it and Battlefield, the rest of the Battlefield games. Mm-hmm. Is that you can you can do that. But um, it's mainly an aesthetic thing because sneaking and arresting uh, is a kind of runaround. It's yeah. you're, you're sort of vicariously or tacitly encouraged basically to shoot your way through the levels because it's easier, it's simpler, it's more fun, and it's less likely to go wrong. You know, the, the arresting things like just so, just even sort of visually and aesthetically, just so sort of jagged and hammy and look so stupid and the enemies behave yeah. so peculiarly that you just sort of don't want to do it because it makes the game look ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I find myself shooting and shooting and shooting because that is what the game is for. I mean, it, I, the, yeah. It also doesn't penalize you for not arresting people. Um, mm-hmm. Well, some, a, a lot of other games will reward you for stealth or will outright punish you for being caught and this game does neither of those things well it rewards you in that for the first and this is i think actually important is that it for the first little while you get extra it's like cop points or expert points or something Mm -hmm. like that so if you arrest someone uh, instead of killing them you get more points um and then this adds to a level that caps out at 15 i think it was but it's 
important to note that I was trying not to kill everyone, and I got to level 15, I think, in the first half of the game, and then just mm-hmm. nothing else happens. Yeah. So yeah. so there's no point toward getting these points anymore. Like it, it all feels very shoehorned in. Like they didn't really care about this system. They didn't really expect you to engage with it. No, I think they came up with the with the concept, you know, we want to make a cop game, and didn't really think through the implications that that would have on the game's design. Um, because halfway through the game, there's a story beat where you're framed for a crime you didn't commit. You're basically framed for being a dirty cop. You get arrested, you escape, blah, 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 you go rogue, etc., etc. Um, but the game continues to play exactly the same down to the point where you can still flash an invisible badge at people to get them to freeze. And you don't have a badge, um, but he still does... It's the same exact animation. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of just keep it in there. And at that point, too, force is maybe a bit more justified because everyone's trying to kill everyone. It becomes Mm -hmm. a lot more just like a a video game. Game about Yeah, it's... But but that that just, to me represents the point where they truly give up. So, oh, we can't be bothered yeah, to do this right. as a cop game anymore, so he's no longer a cop, he's on the run, so now it's just a shooter, you know. Yeah, where, I mean, there, there's a lot, too, that they could have, you could get away with a lot more of this stuff if the writing was up to, up to snuff, too. Like, if you had a sense that this character was maybe trying to avoid violence, or he was, you know, if, if the narrative actually encouraged you to play a certain way it would have helped a lot more. But the game seems really indifferent to its characters as people. Yeah. They they have very little personality, and I never really understood why they were doing anything they were doing. No. I know um, that no. Pe- people hate it when we when, when I talk about the, the dreaded ludonarrative dissonance, so I won't actually mention that here. Um, I will say I found it really silly that um, the character that you play, Nick Mendoza, I think his name is, um, in cutscenes gets really offended when your partner like basically breaks into somebody's backyard to try and sneak up on a gang of criminals. He's like, oh my god, you can't do that, you don't have a warrant. And yet at the same time, you just kind of run through warehouses and even the like the city streets sometimes and just gun people down indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Well, they have, they have part of... It makes you kind of wonder what happened when this game was being made, what kind of compromises eventually sunk this story, because they have some background where Nick Mendoza, the main character, is Cuban-American, mm-hmm. and he talks about how his dad was a police or government officer in in Cuba, and he worked with the secret police, I think, uh, you know, disappearing people, dissidents and stuff. But that's never explored beyond that point, so you get this idea that maybe Nick Mendoza is trying to be a proper uh, instrument of, of the law, you know, to correct his father's crimes or something. But but you never see any evidence that he actually thinks that way. You just no. have to infer it, and the story kind of pushes against that at the same time, too, because he's so willing to, to uh, be sort of recklessly violent. Yeah, uh, I don't think that, um, I don't know, I mean, it's written by Tom Bissell, right, who's a former game critic, uh, has written various other games, including Gears of War Judgment, and having read some of his work as a game critic, I'm sort of really 
always like clawing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, surely something went wrong out of his hands to make this happen because mm. he was he was a very talented critic and I liked his writing a lot. But every game that he's worked on, I found has been really badly written. Yep. Um, this is no exception. And as much as yeah, the mechanics don't fit the story. I mean, I don't mind the term "leader and out of distance." I don't know why there's such a pushback against it. I think it's it's a it's a good phrase. Um, why that exists so much, I don't know. But it's your fucking responsibility to do something about it. You can't just like throw right. your hands up and say, "Oh, well, the mechanics are just not going to fit the story, so forget it." We'll just have the story and the the game in a vacuum and just hope that no one really cares. No, that's not your job that's not your work that's not the industry that you're in mm-hmm. you've got to make those things click or else it's i mean you don't have to but don't expect anyone to take the writing seriously or, or care for it at all if you don't you've got to fix those things mm-hmm. um and the other thing is um when it comes to just yeah, ignoring all of the story, ignoring all of the writing, ignoring any of the sort of politics of Battlefield Hardline, it just—it's a shambles. Like it plays so, so terribly. It's such a mess. It's such it a wreck. Is. Yeah, it is. You never have any idea of where you're going or why. You gunfights are uh, sort of lame and quite limp. Um, the environments are pretty dull and unenthusiastic. And yeah, it's just—it's a poor shooter as well. I'd actually, I'd. Probably the one thing when I mean this sounds so assholeish, but trying to trying to find something redeeming in this game, the one thing I did actually like quite a bit were the environments. I thought right. I thought they were um, they had a sense of place to them that uh, you don't always see in games. Mm. Like it, it all takes place in Miami and and outside. I guess some of it takes place in L.A. Mm. But um, there are parts like when you're going through the Everglades. Trying to look for that was actually really neat. I didn't, I didn't like that level, but I like the, yeah, I like the the actual setting. It's it's a really disjointed level where it's it's really big and sprawling, and you have to go on a uh, an airboat to go to different uh, little islands and blah blah blah. But it it had a really good sense of it. You know, it kind of felt like it stank and it was humid, and I, I think they like some of the visual design in the game is actually really strong, but you know. I, that's not enough for me to carry it. Right. Um, um, oh, go ahead, Ed. <clears throat> no, no, after you, Patrick. Well, I, w- I was just going to, to talk about how... I, th- I mean, we've discussed this before, the whole game designed by committee and the effect that that has on effectively filing down the, the, the thematic or the narrative teeth of games. We've seen it before in other games that we've looked at, like Tomb Raider, for example. Um, but I think this is like most of these issues that we keep talking about, like a perfect example is like the platonic form of that problem happening because Mm -hmm. there is the potential for there to be a really interesting story. There is the potential to use these kind of unique and interesting and well-developed environments, but they just don't do it. It's this game very clearly is, uh, designed to focus specifically on shooting things, which I think is missing out on about 66% of what it can offer. See, I, yeah, I mean, I understand the design by committee arguments. I understand these people who say 
there's such a large amount of money put into games of this size that they can't really take risks when it comes to politics or theme or artistic vision because there's too much at stake financially. But I'm looking at my shelf of games here and, you know, L.A. Noir is thematically consistent, Black Ops 3 is thematically consistent, Kane and Lynch, Battlefield 3, Driver San Francisco, Red Dead Redemption, Far Cry 2, Hayes. You know, these are all big games designed by lots and lots of people who, which are thematically consistent and interesting and intelligent in ways that games, especially of that size, often aren't. And they had just as many people working on them and, you know, an equitable amount of money put into them. So I'm not, you know, I'm not personally prepared to give that concession. Mm-hmm. I just think that this game was made by a, a group of untalented people. Um, it's it's a bad game made by, quite frankly, a bad studio. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I understand the arguments about uh, when games are, are too big to... Uh... That that the teams aren't properly communicating ideas to one another, and but I don't I don't like to speculate about that too much because I don't know I'll, I'll say it like everyone else will because I'm curious, but I I haven't worked at a you know a big multi-team studio financed by a big publisher who has their own demands and everything, so I can only I always just try to look at these things as just what is the finished product and. Mm. Uh, what did they manage to to make? And it's true, you know. I think it's these kind of games should be slammed because it shows that it's a lot of money just being kind of flushed down the toilet at a certain point. You know. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't push back against it and say this this just isn't not not good enough. That's not the the right way to approach it. But this isn't. It's not acceptable. Know, it's not quality. It's not good. Basically, if you don't push back against it, then it's never going to change. Well, isn't that? I mean, we're we're drifting off to the side here, but isn't that why a lot of these kind of uh, it's very limp, uh, non? I don't know. I, I don't know what the best way to put this. Uh, games that just don't do much of anything. They they are accepted because a lot of critics still will say seven out of ten, good mm-hmm. enough. You know? I also I have a sneaking suspicion that if this game didn't have the battlefield name attached to it, it would have been ignored. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would have died on the vine completely. Yeah, that's true. Um I'm gonna try and sort of yeah, just just to sort of string us back on specifically to Hardline, I've got a quote here that I thought would make a good jumping off point. It's from one of the writers, his name's Rob Alton. And he gave an interview to Polygon before the game was released. <laughs> and he was he was asked about writing, specifically writing dialogue for the enemies and for the people that you would be, in theory, arresting. Um, I'm going to read uh, his quote, but also the introduction to his quote. Okay. Writer Rob Alton told me that one of the difficulties he had with this game was creating thugs who were engaging enough to seem realistic, but not so engaging that the player might feel guilty about shooting them. Quote, I wrote one about this guy getting back together with his ex-girlfriend. Someone on the team pointed out that, hey, idiot... This is someone you're about to shoot in the head, not deliver flowers to. So we decided, let's not go down that route. We had to cut out the dialogue and make it more informative. We had to make sure the bad guys felt like bad guys, so the player isn't as emotionally conflicted about the gameplay. Now, I can't ever accept that a game written by somebody with that mentality is any good. Right. You know, because that is... 
stupidity. If, and... if your goal is to avoid letting players feel emotional connections to your game and its characters, then I think you have already lost before you even start. Completely. Completely. Well, that's... Yeah, it's completely backward from how anyone, you know, writing any kind of fiction, or even non-fiction in a lot of cases, mm. you, you, the idea is depth is good, you know? Yeah. That you want right. people even bad people to seem like people. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that, that actually um, is something I heard as well about, uh, I guess, uh, Tom Bissell and Rob Auden, if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Um, they said that they were inspired by Elmore Leonard novels, too, in, in creating the characters for this game, which is so far off the mark of... Uh, like when you, when you're saying this idea of these, you don't want to feel too much for these characters and <laughs> these Elmore Leonard books, like uh, of of the ones I've read, a large part of them is about starring the villains and and showing the villains, you know, the criminals, and showing how they've come to this place. Um, not not melodramatically, but kind of just showing them as people, even if they're stupid or even if they're, you know, incredibly desperate for money. Elmore Leonard books were always about how crime is a multifaceted uh, phenomenon and everyone mm. in in the law down to the crime itself are all kind of mixed up and and complex people um so i don't well, know it's incredible that that's this <laughs> yeah it is and this is this is why i don't understand i don't understand why they were making a cop game because if you're making a cop game then a huge part of that is to i think engage with these subjects yes you know, exactly I don't, I don't understand why hardline is a game about cops i just i don't understand why because they've done nothing absolutely nothing apart from reskin the enemies and the protagonists from you know terrorists to criminals and soldiers to police officers they've done nothing really to engage with their topic to do mm -hmm. anything with the subject matter and the, the 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 shame is the sort of the tragedy is there's a brilliant game waiting to be made about police officers and policing there's a fantastic game in there there's so many things that you could do with that topic and with those themes and those characters and those situations and hardline has has none of that i think that they absolutely missed a trick by making mm -hmm. what is basically just another military shooter they had like a golden opportunity with this idea uh and just totally brushed it away like i, I don't understand why what, yeah, one thing I kept coming back to while I was playing is I couldn't... I, I tried to see if I could figure out what it was that the developers wanted to do with this game. Um, what their goal was in terms of how they wanted it to play, why they felt it was necessary to focus on cops rather than soldiers. And I was unable to come up with any answer. Not even a, a bad answer, any answer. Because the game does nothing. Battlefield is known for being a shooter, but because of this emphasis on arresting and whatever, they remove what's arguably the series' strongest point and replace it with a really shitty kind of pseudo-stealth game um, that just hamstrings it at, along every step of the way. Well, yeah, and you, you see there there are ways that um, that they could have even just reframed what they were trying to do. Even if you made it not about police but about i don't know say a, a small terrorist cell like if they just wanted urban environments in kind of a smaller scale than the typical battlefield game then there are ways to do that that aren't 
as I don't know. I I think the focus on police and drug traffickers is the way the way they show it is irresponsible. It is, know? and then they could have. I think actually that's what the way you put it, Patrick. <laughs> it kind of well, stuck. And well, I sus- well, sorry, Reed, carry on. No, no, and I was just going to say if they if they wanted to have this, if they wanted to have these shootouts, but they also wanted it on a, a relatively smaller scale than full out battles. Then why couldn't they have made it about something that was a bit less sort of pedestrian and close to home and immediately relevant than policing? Mm. You know. Well, this is it, right? What I suspect is that the people making this game have perhaps read a few things or played a few games or maybe even conducted a few interviews and started to feel that there was something of a backlash against war games and the war narrative. I think they probably, mm. you know, experienced Spec Ops the Line and some of the conversations around that and uh, probably felt that there was a kind of a backlash against the simplification of war that games have been doing for a long time. And they decided that what they wanted to do in response was to create something that would just be sort of knockabout and apolitical and just shooting in a sort of fun way. And I think that you can see that in Battlefield Hardline because it's framed like a TV show, like a cheap cop, you know, Mm -hmm. Saturday night, 9pm, shooty fun fest cop show. The missions are literally called episodes and you have Mm -hmm. previously and next time on Battlefield Hardline, things like that. So I think that they were trying to frame it as... We're not interested in politics. We're not doing war because war, war has become a political minefield in games. We're, we're going to ignore that and just do something that is liberated from all of those discussions and you can just have fun with. But for them, for some reason... The heavily wow, armed they, police. They landed on what is the most hot political topic, especially in the US, currently. They went for something that is perhaps even more politically charged and fraught than, you know, Middle Eastern... Brushfire conflict. <laughs> well, and, yeah, I think that, that yeah they were trying to liberate themselves from political querying, uh, but ended up doing the complete opposite. Well, you can see them almost, almost grasping onto something with making it set in Miami, and they reference a few times about how this is going to be like the '80s all over again with uh, these, you know, Central and South American uh, drug traffickers coming in and just murdering people on the streets. And so they almost, almost, like, they put their nose up against the idea that this might be a game about the fallout of the war on drugs. And they never yeah. get anywhere near it. Nope. And that's something I was thinking about a lot when you are talking about, you know, how this is such a, a bad time for this game to come out. It's also just been a bad time for a long time, and it seemed mm. like they almost understood that mm. and never went anywhere with it. Mm. Do I do either of you remember when EA, uh, also EA, now that I think about it, released Medal of Honor back in 2010, I think it was? Yeah. Um, and there was a big, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it anyway, quote-unquote controversy um, surrounding the fact that in the multiplayer modes you could play, one of the factions you could play as was the Taliban. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge to-do, um, military bases all over the country said they weren't going to stock the game, blah, blah, blah. And then ultimately what ended up happening was they ended up caving and um, they released a statement that said, you know, in our attempts to make entertainment, we are not trying to be political or say anything political. That's literally what they said. So they ended up, they kept the game exactly the same. They just removed the Taliban 
from it. And aren't, um, aren't those Medal of Honor games based on actual uh, events from uh, the war in Afghanistan, the American they, war? They work very closely with people who were actually in the war in Afghanistan. I don't know if they're based around oh, okay. actual happenings, but one of the guys on the front cover is an actual soldier. Um, right, and some of the characters I think are modelled very closely after actual soldiers, and they're you know very closely interviewed and, and such and such. But soldiers aren't political. Yeah. No, of course not. Well, that's that's there's this sort of myth now that you can make an apolitical game as long as you say it's apolitical. But I think in some cases, in this case especially, choosing to not be political is itself a political stance because yep. you're you're erasing this entire discussion and you're essentially stealing it for window dressing yeah yeah well i i can't remember if we talked about this before i'm sure we have or i'm sure we will at some point but the idea that anything can be apolitical that you can you can make the stupidest hammiest you can make you know fucking transformers eight and it's going to be political even if you want it to be as you know milk toast and unthreatening as possible just by making it and saying whatever you're saying just the context of living in the world and having mm-hmm. having experiences drawn from living where you are and being who you are and you know knowing the people you do is going to make everything political you know yeah big bang theory yeah. is political whether it wants to be or not you know mm-hmm. completely yeah um i think games and game makers are absolutely determined to remain as teenagers in their bedrooms playing distractionary toys that are fantastical or science fiction because they're quite frankly boys and mm-hmm. insecure and just don't want to engage with the real world because it threatens them um but yeah even in trying to do that desperately trying to do that you're still being political you just look at the films made in the 1980s and they're Reaganistic. There's entire books written about how the Hollywood cinema of the 1980s, no matter how action-packed or escapist it might seem, was vicariously Reaganistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and games now are just as political. They are political. You, even if you're like Assassin's Creed and you put a fucking disclaimer at the front of the game <laughs> saying, you know, this is a multicultural game and we're apolitical and we're not trying to... Da, da, da. No, you're still political because you're a person living now who presumably has seen an episode of the news so you are political no matter what you say or try to do or how much you want to avoid it games are and ought to be Mm -hmm. political oh sorry no go ahead well i was going to say and the idea of avoiding politics you, you understand why the people with a lot of money have this have this dream of Avoid politics because then you can appeal to everyone. No one has to feel uh, alienated, Um, which is a great dream that will never happen with anything ever. Um, But the whole idea that being political has to, it's it's taken on this kind of like powerful uh, association with it now, where someone says a game uh, has a certain politics, then people will react to it. You know, people will say, why are they doing that? Can't you just tell me a story? But so I think it's, I don't know, it's worth saying something about how, you know, being political doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're writing a screed. No, no, Mm -hmm. not not at all. It just means that you're engaging with the topics that you present. Exactly. This game, this game doesn't at all. Um, There are lots of things that we could learn about police work or even about 
criminals through playing a game like this, um, mm. and this game touches on none of them. Which I don't, I don't understand exactly. Well, I do understand where it comes from, but I, I think it needs challenging this idea that uh, apoliticism is more mass market than politicism. I mean, how many people watch the news? How many people buy newspapers? How many people watch documentaries? How many people read opinion columns? You know, there's a huge market out there for people wanting politically minded literature, movies. You know, people enjoy that stuff. I certainly do. When they say not being political is a way to reach everyone, it's certainly not a way to reach me. I doubt it's a way to reach the review. Uh, you know, I think there's plenty of people for whom apoliticism is like, alienating. You know, they find it dull and boring and uninteresting. Well, so, yeah, it, it, it touches on this, this sort of trend i'll call it of anti-intellectualism that's kind of well it's always been there but it's particularly prevalent right now um just with the election coming up and like for example one of the candidates who i'm not going to name his basically his entire platform is everything is too political everyone's too worried about politics we just need to chill out um and this is a man who is trying to elected president of the United States. Mm. Who you would hope would be a little bit interested in things being political. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Mm. with the goal of being a politician, you would you would want that. Um, yeah. Well, it comes back to, I... to uh, the idea that I'm not sure exactly where it spurs from, but the idea that uh, part of being polite uh, you know, so the phrase I heard growing up was, if you want to stay friends with people or be polite when you're making idle conversation, never discuss, is it religion and politics? Politics and religion, yeah. Yeah, just don't discuss those because, you know, it's a minefield because everyone has an opinion. Um, which, <laughs> I don't know, I think politics and religion are two of the most interesting things to discuss. Right. Well, I wouldn't want to be friends with someone who refused to discuss those. <laughs> but what, what would you even talk about? The weather. Yeah. The w- that's it. Well, that's what games want to do. They want to talk about the weather. They want to talk about the most idle, um, soporific, pleasant twee bullshit. You know, that's what games want to do. That they have, I think, a willful resistance to intelligence. They are determined to not be clever, to not get in the ring, to not have anything to say. Like they're not just not doing it they're almost proud of not yeah doing it's it. almost I mean, intentionally regressive yeah they'd like it they want it to be that way they want games to just be fun and what are the mechanics like games are really really proud of themselves for being stupid mm-hmm. yeah but hot, and hardline is yeah the best example yeah you have to hope though at a certain point when that the the tide kind of changes because even even in Hollywood, where I think you have a, a somewhat similar model in terms of the amount of money and the collaboration that goes into releasing something, um, work is reviewed and and discussed based on what it presents, how how coherent it is, um, and if something is just trying to be everything and 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 nothing at the same time, it's going to get ripped apart. And so you would kind of hope that over time with games, even even these monolithic, giant, lumbering beasts of mainstream games that they'll eventually have to adapt as well. That they'll mm. they'll have to have creative directors who are who are have an opinion about things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think so. I, no, I think I think Hollywood, you know, there's plenty of very smart, 
sophisticated blockbuster films made by hundreds of people with hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. It's not. It's not impossible, and I, I don't see why games, you know, uh, should be immune to that. We've um, gotten games like that before. We have. We've got plenty of games like that. There is. There is a litany of games like mm-hmm. that. I mean, I listed some of them yep. earlier on in the show. Yep. There are plenty of games like that. They they happen. Um, so Battlefield Hardline has absolutely no excuses. It, you can't excuse it on the grounds of it's a big budget, big studio game, so what can you expect? Because, no, we expect better from those now. You can't excuse it on the grounds of it being apolitical, because nothing is apolitical. And it has like these occasional touches of politics to it, so it's definitely it's political. And you can't excuse it on the grounds of it's just a mindless, fun escapism shooter, because it's a terrible one of those. Yeah. So every single kind of escape route out of this debate is closed to Battlefield Hardline. And, you know, when it's thrown under the spotlight, there is nothing to say for this game positive. I've got nothing to say for it that's good. And I'm not saying that in a kind of, I want to be Ben Crowshaw, Jim Sterling, indignation, (laughs) you know, fuck the game industry sort of criticism voice. I I mean it wholeheartedly. It's It's a terrible, terrible piece of work. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean... One thing Again, that I do I, find... Sorry, I read it. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say I was just racking my mind because I never want to praise something unreservedly or dismiss something un, unreservedly. I was racking my mind for redemptive parts of this game and really for me it's just sometimes it looks really nice. And But every game looks really nice. I, I, like, so, you know what I mean? I know. I know. I know. That's why... I, but still, I was just trying to <laughs> run mm. down in my head. Some of the voice acting's good. There you go. Yeah, they've got Adam Harrington in it, who was really good in L.A. Noir. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you read, like you read. I I don't want to just you know slate something from top to bottom, because then you sound like you disengaged from it and you kind of had a foregone conclusion that you you wanted to be you know critical of it. But as hard as I try, and I, I do try hard. I I I play Battlefield Hardline. I thought about it for a long time. There is not a single part of that game that I can say I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that, you know, completely flat tone of voice, with no sort of indignation, no no anger, of course. There's not a single part of the game that I enjoy. Um, and there, there are very few games that I can say that for. Yeah. Yeah, this one is on a uh, short list of... A very short list. ...of games that I, I... There's not even so much to engage with when you really get down to it, too. No, there's not. Because I the... was looking, because that's our job, but... Yeah. I, you know, I, I took notes, and <laughs> and as I was playing, things that I thought might be something, a thread to follow, the game mm-hmm. itself would kind of laugh at me for, for trying to care about something. Yeah, that's a, that's a point I wanted to get to. The, the one thing that I perhaps find the most astounding about this game is the degree to which it is completely oblivious to its own bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of like, hey guys, look at this really cool, awesome thing, and we're all like, oh my god, do, does he even realize that he's you know, leaving the house dressed like that or whatever? Um, but and I, and I don't think that they have any inkling that they're just completely missing the mark. I don't, I don't think that they could and release, and release a game like that. But we've we've cultivated that mentality in the gaming industry of blithe acceptance. You know, we 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 have a school of criticism, a school of game making, a school of marketing, which will 
you know, kind of shrug your shoulders and go for anything. But to an extent, you know, I, I don't think that we have a very sort of challenging market. I don't think that there's a very sort of challenging or literate consumer base for games often. No. So I can understand why that happens. I can understand why they don't notice because they've never been forced to notice. They've never been told. It's just it's the kid who's never been told not to stick a knife in the plug. Yeah. Or, you know, it's it, it, so they're going to keep doing it. But I, I wonder about this sometimes, too, because I think the general opinion of, I mean, this is all anecdotal, so, you know, grain of salt. But I think when you when you mention this game to, to people, if you went on Twitter right now and said, hey, I'm going to play Battlefield Hardline, and just kind of watched the responses you would get, I think you would find a lot of people would be like, even if they had almost no opinion, they'd say that game's not very good. But mm. the way that these games come out and they get they they get a check mark next to them, you know. When when all's said and done and the review scores have been laid out, they have you know a pass next to them mm-hmm. um, because they, you know, one thing I can say for this game is I downloaded it and installed it and played it from start to finish and it worked, right? So that makes it acceptable, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like the basic idea of these things just kind of keep gliding by. Without any well, resistance. It, it points to the fact that, and I know we've talked about this before, but it points to the fact that our current sort of critical infrastructure has no guiding principle or objective. Yeah. No, no one can really, I can't even look at a game and give you a definition of what I think a, a success or a failure is. Um, I can, it's, you know, it's like I don't know what art is, but I know what I like. It's kind of like that. Um, in this case, I know I don't know what art is. I know this is definitely not it. Um, it's garbage. Um, but other than that, like we can't even agree on what the game's objective is. Does it feel nice to play? Does it work? Is it like you're saying, Reed? Did you install it and like did it run from start to finish? Technically, yes. As it's a working product, it at least ostensibly does what it is supposed to do. Um, but beyond that, we don't, we can't really, as a community of critics, make up our minds as to what we're supposed to be doing with these games. Well, that's mm. that's fine, right? In in terms of people don't need to have a consensus, right? Like you mm-hmm. have the kind of old product review model that I think right now is our hungover consensus opinion of if something's functional, then it then it gets a pass. Um, I I don't think you want everyone to say what succeeds or what fails. I think that what you hope for is that everyone has different opinions and that's a good thing that that's accepted that, you know, uh, Ed and I could both play this game and he could love it and I could hate it. And that's Mm -hmm. okay because we can both articulate why, you know, and that there, if I hate something, I'm not going to be screamed at on the internet in the comment section for hating something because Ed thought it was a seven out of 10. Mm. Well, the way I, does that make the way sense? I look at it, yes, it does. Okay. The way I look at it, if I was asked, what do you want games to be? What do you want games to do? I'd say, I, I don't care. I, it's not up to me to decide. What I want, what I, what I really want is for game makers to do what they want to do and to actually do it, right? So, what I, you know, if I'm, I'm talking about like a, a definition of art, I say the closest thing that I can come to to a definition of art is somebody had an idea and they articulated it mm-hmm. artistically, right? 
Um, so what I want, I don't necessarily want games to be political or apolitical or better representations of gender or better written or whatever. It's not about really what I want. I just want game makers to have an idea and flesh it out and and get it out there and, and whatever. That's basically it. Whereas Battlefield Hardline doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like a studio that was cultivating a game based around what they thought other people would want, for starters. Mm-hmm. It is... If they wanted to do an entertaining shooter, which I think they did, they didn't do that. If they wanted to do an engaging at all political cop story, they didn't do that. If they wanted to do an enjoyable knockabout apolitical cop story, they didn't do that. So whatever these people set out to do, they didn't. And that, to me, is how I could deem the game, quote-unquote, a yeah. failure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You articulated that much more eloquently than I did. Um, yeah, I also think it's... I also think it's worth noting that we don't really have an idea of what it means for a game to fail in the critical space. No. Because we can talk about how this game is atrocious and give it, you know, negative 4 out of 10 scores, but at the end of the day, that's going to have zero impact on how games are developed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you... I don't know. For me, this... Again, we're getting kind of, you know, into our own critical approaches, our own review approaches, and aesthetic tastes and everything but if a game isn't coherent for me that means it's a failure you know mm-hmm. if if uh if a game in the same way as as uh, any any medium any kind of expression if it fails to express itself in any coherent way then then i consider that kind of a failure you know yeah. except for in certain uh edge cases of like trying to be experimental and do something with failure and blah 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 Right. I th- I think I've thought of the one bit that I actually quite liked. Mm-hmm. There is there is one bit, and it's in that Everglades level, and it's when yeah. I think it is anyway, and you're walking along and you get attacked yeah. by a crocodile. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, and I thought, you know what, this game is completely off its face, and it, not in a, not in a positive way. I mean, like you said, Reed, it's incoherent, it's babble, uh, and now like inexplicably, I'm being attacked by a crocodile, and it was a good scene fighting a crocodile. It came sort of out of nowhere. And yeah, that I enjoyed. That was a good bit of fun. Yeah, if they had the rest of the game, no. that that one instant in a ten-hour game. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually was when I when I was trying to think of things that I enjoyed before, and I was saying the visuals and some of the voice acting. I, I almost wanted to say, and when the alligator attacks you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's no, a good. It's a good moment. It's a fun moment. Yeah, it was good. It you know yeah. it was something exciting. It woke me up a little bit. Yeah, and I yeah. Um, one thing that I was I was thinking when we were talking about this though is, in terms of what this game could have been to make it, to make it more successful. That's what I was going to ask. That's how yeah. I wanted to, to wrap up. Is what how would how could one fix Battlefield Hardline for lack of a better question? Hmm. Come on, Ed, fix it. Well, I did say earlier on there's a, there's a great game to be made about mm-hmm. police and policing. Uh, I think that game already exists, and it's L.A. Noir. Uh, in L.A. Noir, your suspects all have a home life. Your victims all have names and a home life. The people whose murders you're investigating all have names and a home life. And there is nuance to every single case. The villains have as much of a presence as the cops. At the same time, it's a fun driving game. It's a fun shooting game. It looks good. It sounds good. It's a good spectacular 
detective story that makes for good entertainment. So I think that L.A. Noir is the cop game for me. That's a... as for fi- oh, sorry. sorry, I was just gonna say I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that being the in terms of a grounded crime story. I think that's the best we have right now. The only way I think the quickest fix change for Battlefield Hardline would basically just to be change them back to soldiers. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, just just remove the cop element or just. Just some other sort of fantastical context. I don't know. Uh, it's post-apocalyptic, and there are these two opposing forces: the people who are trying to police this apocalypse, and the people who are, you know, raiders or whatever. Um, and maybe that would work. But then, I don't know. I can't give a shit about apocalypse stuff. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 would at least get rid of you know the uncomfortable um, political missteps. Well, consider this, Ed. What if they are alligator smugglers and, you know, replace the whole cocaine trade and all the implements? Honestly, you know what? Yeah. Just... Without, not kidding at all. Yeah. Something stupid like that. The criminals have got, like, a, a ridiculous scheme, like, from the fucking Casino Royale spoof from the 60s, you know? They, they're yeah. doing something wacky. Yeah, they're, they're alligator smugglers. Because then, or... right away, you can't take anything seriously if they're if they're you know, say they're trying to breed a super alligator. Yeah. You know? Then you're like, oh man, these goofballs. You can't you can't yeah. can't care about anything and and they're vicious because they, you know, they worship alligators as gods. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Brilliant. Yeah, fixed. There you go. Yeah, it it's it sets expectations appropriately so you know what you're in for and uh it doesn't disappoint in that front. Instead yeah. we get whatever it is that we got. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking too about the police question. I think the best grounded police game that shows kind of the complexities of crime and it says something about the city it takes place in and the time period and the culture is, you know, L.A. Noir, which I think does a pretty good job of showing a, you know, a, taking place in L.A. and showing that city become so massive and uh, economically prosperous at the time and. You know, it doesn't just play lip service to being a game set right after World War Two, mm. or is it Korea? I think it's World War Two. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's you know early fifties or or thereabouts. It's not. It's actually I think it's like forty-seven. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's immediately after the Second World War. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, I I think like Ed said, with there's a kind of a richness and a, a level of thought and respect given to you know not just your your hero but also the corpses that you're finding along right. the way um yep. and the criminals themselves seem like people who might actually be criminals not just uh evil people cartoon well, supervillains it's i ought to point i ought to point out that if you uh, log into killscreen.com and uh, search for an article that I wrote on L.A. Noir. It investigates that very thoroughly. Uh... <laughs> a self plug there. Also, I am single. And if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to buy a sofa, uh, I'm selling one. Are you? <laughs> um, £50 or nearest offer. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you ship overseas? Uh, I can. I don't want one. I already have one. Oh, um, <laughs> but I was going to say, before I was so rudely interrupted by... Mm-hmm old self-promotion smith advertising um is that i think the other way you can go with these games too it's 
like the like the alligator thing is you just go completely over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like, um, like I think about when we did the last episode with Max Payne, which in, is also a crime game in some ways, but it doesn't become uncomfortable because it's it's so uh, it, it's winking the entire time, you know, mm. and it uh, so when you're gunning down dozens and dozens of people on a level, uh, you don't feel bad, right? Mm. Um, or or you feel bad in the sense that it's it's violence and violence can make you feel bad, but it doesn't make you feel like you're watching uh, someone trying to approximate what policing is supposed to look like. See, yeah. Max, Max Payne does a really unique thing. I mean, I don't want to go too deeply into this because we've already done it, but I think the graphic novel kind of cutscene format is important because it clearly sets that world apart from the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very explicit about the fact that this is not mimetic in any way. Um, this is this is pulp, even down to, to the, the part where it's a graphic novel, essentially. Um, but this is trying to... like. I don't know. It does it. It does it all the wrong way. If you're going to make a game about crime, you have to focus on crime and the elements that comprise it, and not yeah. just guns. And this game did did the latter, but did it poorly, which is even worse. Well, I think my closing remark on a comparison between Max Payne and Battlefield Hardline is that Max Payne eventually reveals that uh, all the crimes are tied to this huge company creating this secret drug in a military base and it all becomes you know it spirals into ridiculousness Mm -hmm. whereas battlefield hardline they're drug dealers and they're corrupt cops which are two things which you know are sort of more real world um and yeah i think that that's the the key difference is that max Payne ties all the crime to something ludicrous and comic book uh whereas battlefield hardline all the crimes stem from very real world archetypes yeah yeah so, Reed, so, Reed, is there anything else you would like to say about Hardline before we? I don't know. We bury should... this motherfucker under the desert. <laughs> it should, should we should note that we actually even did like twenty minutes on this game yesterday, and then lost the file and had to redo this. So, at this point, I think we've spent more than enough time talking yeah, about I, this. Uh, I don't ever want to think about this game again. Yeah, this clogged toilet of a video game. <laughs> So thankfully, we are now ready to move on from Battlefield Hardline, and uh, we're gonna play an actually a, a good apolitical political game next for next time. Um, we're gonna be looking at Call of Duty Four: Modern Warfare, um, the uh, the game that launched a thousand military shooters. That makes it sound pretty menacing, actually. It, well, there is a kind of a menace to Call of Duty. There Modern is. Warfare. There is. There is. Oh, let's just talk yeah, about Call of Duty now. Let's just erase it's, this. It's Call of Duty Modern Warfare is patient zero. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so know. it's time to get right to the bottom of this. Yeah. Um, just before we round this episode off, though, um, I'm going to go with, against my better instincts, 7 out of 10, I think, for Hardline. Really? I mean, I know... Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I, I know... That, that but you know I don't want to put my opinion into it you know we, we, it's objective you know what I mean <laughs> right. it's got to be objective oh, okay. we've got to have objective right. reviews otherwise it's not proper journalism it's not proper writing if it's not completely objective listen the graphics so are it, pretty good 
Yeah, so I, yeah, exactly. You know, I put it into the computer and I put it into the objectificator computer and it is a 7 out of 10. So that is that is the score that I'm giving it. Hmm. I had a actually different model entirely that I drew up, uh, which I call the MP system. And mm-hmm. I give this game 0 out of 10 on the Max Payne system. It, <laughs> right. it completely fails to be as good as Max Payne, so it gets a 0. Mm. So not a 7 from you. No, right? this is my very first MP rating, 0 out of 10. Well, you're not objective then. So you're not a proper writer. No, I'm starting my whole new critical school, Max Max Painism. I think that's a good critical school. It's a good benchmark. Yeah, it's, yeah, you could do worse. I'm hoping that when I die, someone will start post post Painism. Yeah, we can you know have a rich history. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I read these results wrong. Um, sorry, I didn't carry the two. Okay. In the graph. Sorry, it's a zero. Yeah. It's a zero yeah. out of ten. I was, yeah, I was... sorry, no, I, I I checked the printout wrong. I was looking at it upside down. I, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's zero out of ten. Sorry. I was I was gonna say there's an, I I can't even ingest pretend to give this game a seven out of ten. I can't in good conscience. A seven does look quite a bit like a zero. It does, yeah, yeah. Written in binary, they're pretty much the same. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, this is actually a zero out of ten. Hmm. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. Oh, we all make mistakes. Yeah, we do. Like uh, visceral games in particular. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I was gonna say, and then I kind of felt bad. Boom. Oh fuck. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I we, we appreciate you sticking this out with us. Um, we're gonna spend the next couple of weeks nursing this hardline hangover by playing Modern Warfare. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to... I'm actually in the process right now of deleting this game from my hard drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be gone, all 42 gigabytes of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like 42 um, Max Paints. It is like 42 <laughs> Max Paints. I, I like this uh, this new metric. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to keep up with things I have to say about real games, um, you can find me on Twitter at HanFreakinSolo, where I will be writing about them. Yeah, and you can, um, if you want to read about me writing about not games, uh, anti-games, then you can <laughs> come to my Twitter where all my writing ends up being promoted through me at readmccarter.twitter.com.readmccarter. Backslash. Uh, and some... <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Backslash. Ed. Anymore? No, no, I'm I'm done. Just I tired. Is that the full address? I tired myself out, so it's your turn. Uh, yeah, you can find me also on Twitter at most sincerely Ed, where all of my writing about games and other things will be stored. Excellent. Well, once again, okay. this has been Bullet Points, um, and thank you all for joining us. We will catch you next time.